Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. guy what's going on hey now brother <laughs> this is jb hey jimbo how's it going i am very interested to see who gets this i know i've been looking at the numbers i've been watching the, the i've been watching the numbers man there's there's people who you know this well, uh and that's the thing is like i know the number but i'm still like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mm. I just think that it's. I just think it's cool that we actually have so many people who are really interested in that. That that T-shirt is becoming a highly coveted item. Yeah, well, you know, and and that's the thing is like this is the first official, uh, you know, document documented like this is for real. Like we, yeah. we've done it. Sure, we've done no, it. No, absolutely. No, it's very cool, man. Like I say, I'm pretty excited. I see these numbers sort of going, and folks are jumping in and. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm hoping folks are actually listening and not just spitballing, like I said last week. But uh, but seeing folks actually taking a guess, at least, pretty neat, you know. So, how was the weekend? Uh, let's see. What did, nothing, nothing too too big. A lot, man, the weather here has just been insanely beautiful. Like, even today, it's just, it's, it, you know, and of course... What does that cost? You know, I mean, like the neighborhoods out in full act, you know, yeah. and I, li- I lived on the beach. So then people, you know, on the beach go a little crazy and what they're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was, have, they, have they been able to sort of keep that a little like pretty much in hand or come on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I was kind of bummed because, uh, you know, we had this plan for, uh, we had this plan for Saturday where we were going to go, um, we were actually going to go down to uh, Old Orchard Beach. Now, for folks who aren't familiar with Southern Maine, uh, I'll put it to you this way. Like, uh, you know how we've, we've, you know how we've talked about like the Quebecois before? Yeah, yep. Okay. Well, like Old Orchard Beach is sort of like the Atlantic Beach of the Quebecois. <laughs> so it's like it's it's a beautiful beach, which I'm going to tell you, like here in the state of Maine, uh, beaches can be kind of hard to come by, like really legitimate, beautiful sand swept beaches. Uh, the vast, vast majority of the state here, the coastline is rock. Um so, like I said, you go down to Old, Old, Old Orchard Beach, they've actually got, like, the pier, so you can go out there. In the summertime, it's great because they've got, you know, vendors, and there's a restaurant out there, and um, there's amusement parks that are all over there. It's just a huge tourist draw, you know? Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the places that's been down there for years and years now is uh, a restaurant called Lisa's Pizza. And Lisa's Pizza used to have locations all over the state, and I don't think they really do anymore. I think the only one they really have left is the one that's there in Old Orchard Beach, 
or OOB, as folks, you know, in uh, throughout Maine uh, refer to it, OOB. Um, so anyway, we knew that Lisa's Pizza, because the other thing that they do beside pizza is they sell these pier, what they call pier fries. Okay. And it's these special cut, like, French fry, you know. And I haven't had them in years and years, you know, obviously been away for a long time. So Jennifer and I were really excited that we were going to be able to go down to, uh, to OOB and go get some pier fries. And then my sister-in-law was like, well, you know, you can't go on the beach because the beach is still secured. <clears throat> and it was sort of like, okay, well, I don't know if I really feel like going to Old Orchard Beach purely to get French fries. <laughs> Just like, and turn around and come home, you know yeah, what I mean? And, like, and the cops, the cops here, you know, uh, they are on the beach and observing. And if people stop to hang out, Move along. Really? Yeah. So I see that. That's the thing that I think is crazy because even some of these beaches that have opened, you know, I was, I was reading an article, um, was talking about these people that were protesting out in, uh, Encinitas out in California. Um, it's just like North of, uh, San Diego and, you know, the beach had been closed and these people were protesting and then they decided that they were going to open the beach. But one of the catches is that you're not allowed to sand. You're not allowed to sunbathe. If you're going to go to the beach, you have to be walking. Right. And you can't. Yep. And you can't be walking with anyone. You need to maintain social distancing. So it's like, okay, well, I can go to the beach, but I can't just like hang out at the beach and enjoy the beach. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, no, 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 no. That's what they're enforcing here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I say, man, you know, we could have gone down there Saturday, but I was just like, eh, do I really feel like doing that, man? Like, I can't go down to the beach and, like, walk around, you know, what? it's like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's, it's closed down. Like, whatever, dude. So, anyway. So, um, so, so the pier fries, right? See, see, I, yeah. I love, like, little things like that, that make the city what the city is. Like, oh, I'm going to go get a pier fries, you know, like. Oh sure, I'm no, sure. I'm sure dude. people people that come and visit you say, "Hey, let's let's go." Well, it's 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 stuff like that. You know, it's like I remember. God, what is the name? There is a restaurant out in Pittsburgh, um, and I know it's like a landmark. Everybody out there would know it by name. You know, I can't think of what it is right now. But their big thing, and maybe you've had it if you've gone out there. But their big thing is is that they um, they make these sandwiches. Oh, Permanti Brothers. Yes, yep. that's it. Oh, and they yeah, put the dude. French fries and all the stuff yeah, in it. It's a heart attack. Yes. So, but you know what? But you know, it's exactly the same thing. Like you go out there, you're like, well, okay, what is the iconic thing to eat when I'm in this town? It's this. You know, we're gonna. Well, what do they do? Well, they put French fries in your sandwich. <laughs> like, sounds like genius. Genius yeah, work. See, and, and like, I, you know, where I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I just, in my town, there's those restaurants that, you know, in my life's experiences and travels, I've had various fine, I've been to various fine dining establishments. You've had you know? fine cuisine. Yeah. Hey, man, my, my biggest thing is we can talk about later is that I've, I've actually eaten a Michelin one star. And I'm like, if this is a one star, holy right. crap, like, 
well, yeah. What's a two and a three, you know? But I know. But then, you know, there's places when I go home that I'm like, oh, I got to eat at this place. And and a lot of it, I think, is, uh, you know, just because the food. Oh, yes. You know, no offense, but the food isn't, you know, it's 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 hometown food, which is completely yes. OK. That that's sure. a, that's a different grading scale to me than Michelin. You know, like, oh, it's my home. Right. Like we had Captain Nemo's. Angelo's yep. is an Ita- family owned Italian place. Um, uh, Poe Melvin's. They did. It was like New Orleans stuff, and they did Poe Boys. Uh, right. Uh, e Fratelli's, but then they kind of got a little, you know, uh, corporate a little bit. Um, well, it's kind of cool. You know, you think about those places, and then the, you think about like, you know, you also have the places that have sort of like a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, everywhere you go, there's places that are like what you're talking about. You know, they're sort of like the local thing. Um, and, and a lot of it, like, I totally agree with you. A lot of it for me comes down to um, a lot of places you just have, you know, you reminisce. You know what I mean? It's like it's places that you went to when you were a kid. And when you go eat there now, it sort of takes you back. You know what I mean? It's the you walk in. It's the way the place looks. It smells you know, it feels like it exactly like it did back when you were a kid, you know, and that's awesome. I and mean, for me, one of my places is this pizza joint that's in the next town over in Bath, where they've got the big shipyard over there. They build all the naval ships. Yeah. Um, and right across the street from the shipyard is this place called the cabin. And dude, like I've been eating at the cabin since I was a little kid, like little, little kid. And I don't care, man. As far as I'm concerned, that place has the best pizza in the world. I love it. I, I think it's the best pizza around. You know, some folks probably would be like, yeah, it's pizza. But to me, I've got a certain I've got an emotional attachment to it. You know, there are other places, though, like I say, that sort of have. Uh, well, there's a couple of them that are here, you know, like I think about uh, there's a place that's right in town here. Um, and, and folks from the area know it really well. And it's sort of got a reputation around here is this place called fat boys. And it's a traditional drive-in restaurant, you know? So like when you pull up, you turn on your headlights, they know that you're waiting, you know, the, the waitress comes out, she takes your order or, you know, she gives you the menu. When you decide you turn your lights back, it's the whole routine, man. Like they've done the same thing there for like since the fifties or something, you know? Um, and down in Portland, you have other places, too. Uh, but some of the most notorious ones are, are there's like a place down in Portland on the waterfront called DeMillo's. You know, the food is pretty good. I mean, it's not, oh, my God, amazing. I mean, it's pretty good. But the catch with DeMillo's, the catch with DeMillo's is that DeMillo's is on a floating restaurant. Basically, Mr. DeMillo you know, uh, bought what used to be a ferry, you know? Okay. So cars, yeah. We're getting into the Ozarks now. (laughs) Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Uh, no, he, like he, he bought what was a ferry, um, you know, to take cars back and forth, I guess, to the islands in Casco Bay or something. I don't know, but he couldn't, they converted it into a restaurant. So this thing sits at a pier, on a wharf, you know, down there in Portland on the waterfront. And it, I, 
I couldn't tell you the last time this thing ever moved, man. I mean, I'm sure at some point they had to move it, you know, to clean it up or something. But, like, that's the shtick of DeMillo's. You know, what you're paying for, because the food is expensive, but what you're paying for is not the food, really. You're paying for the ambiance. It's the experience of the floating the restaurant. The ambiance. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, it's and that's one of the things that I really loved about, and I'm sure you feel the same way, you know, having served and traveled as much as we have, you know, going and dining is a legitimate part of that experience. You know, even if it's just around the United States, I mean, any time that I ever went anywhere, I would always be like, okay, so what is the thing here? You know, uh, there's another one right there. There's my interrupter, you know. Um, but going out to like Portland, Oregon, and they have, uh, what is, they have this donut joint that's out there. I can't remember what it's called, but they make just these obnoxiously freakish donuts that are all sorts of weird flavors and designs and whatever. That's sort of their thing. You know, I, I, uh, there was a place that was down in New Orleans I remember going to. I mean, I've actually been to a number of places down there that are absolutely amazing food. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different thing, man. When you start going down and doing like the Cajun thing and you're doing all like the, you know, the crawfish. And I still haven't made a solid determination yet as to like what I prefer, whether I, I mean, it's very hard. I know they look similar, but it's kind of hard to draw a line between like a crawfish and a lobster. I mean, I know one just looks like a gigantic you know, or miniature version of the other. Um, I still have not gotten the knack of how to eat those damn things. I'm not going to lie to you, dude. Like, I know some people who can just, like, you pour that stuff out on the table. You know, it's a day-long event. We talked about this probably with Chris when he was Yeah, guest, you had you know. that. You, you went and picked up the, the food yeah, from the airport. Yeah, like, yeah, you dump all that stuff out after it was done cooking. There were friends of ours that, you know, they would just knock these things back, man. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, how the hell are you? Yeah, are but you, you know what, though? So easily, man. Like, crab legs and crawfish and you know what to me stuff because it's the return on investment like you the work is way harder than what you get out of those things like that's why i i i enjoy it but i don't like it you know when you're (laughs) when you're when you're cracking those crab legs man you're like dude you know um and and you don't really you know i'm a southerner uh yeah yeah you know, we'll do mud bugs, every, you know, every once in a while, crawfish and stuff. Sure. But, but crab legs, man, like, it's just one of those things. It's like, look at this little piece of meat that I got. I hear these people that I, and I'm not going to lie. Some of them are family, you know, who really jump on this whole thing, have, have started to jump on this whole thing about crab and how much they prefer crab over lobster. I really don't get that. And again, you're right, because. First time since we were home, because this is what I did on my weekend beyond the whole pier fry debacle um, was yesterday. Uh, my in-laws came over, were hanging out, and I had been reaching out to some folks about trying to get some lobster. And for right now, the fishermen out here are getting hit really hard, um, you know, with all of the stuff that's going on with, <clears throat> you know, these industries, the, the whole trade overseas, and then there's the COVID and all of this stuff. A lot like these fishermen here in Maine, man, are taking it on the chin big time. 
and they're going out there every day catching these things, and they're just, they're trying to sell. I mean, they're selling them cheap because they're just trying to they're trying to make money something. So, uh, and I we have friends, we have family that are fishermen, so I've reached out and I really wanted to try to get my hands on some. I had a hard time finding a, a, a place. Uh, finally, got my hands on some and brought them home last night. So I got you know four like pound and a half lobsters, you know, which if you, if you, if you've eaten a lot of lobster, like on, to be honest with you, man, like a pound and a half lobster is plenty. I mean, when they start getting up towards a two, up, up like north of two pounds or more, they can get a little weird, but you, you would have, you would have been in your element here, man. We had the crackers out, you know, we had the shell, the shell crackers out and, uh, you know, the melted butter and the whole nine. Mm, so. uh, dude. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, it was good to be home. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I was like, yes, indeed, we are home. Yes, we are. Boiling lobster in my own, you know, you boil the you boil the pot of water, you reach in the bag, and you grab that bad boy, and he's all wriggling all over the place. You just stick him in the water head first, dude. <laughs> Get in the pool. Get in the pool, you know, and they were delicious. So, yeah, that was sort of the, that was sort of the, the, uh, the 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 cap on the weekend i guess if you will you know i was having some uh having some lobsters last night well and, and i will say that uh so what else did we do this weekend um man it's it's insane some of the things that in these unprecedented times like some of the random things that pop out like I'm like, oh man, I really need this. Like, this is an important piece of equipment that I haven't had to use until I'm home. For what, whatever, if it's tools, uh, musical equipment. Uh, you know, me and my sons have been doing a lot of art, and uh, yep. but the thing that really has been like, I've been consuming like a lot of my time. Trading cards. Uh, yeah, right, and I yeah. talked about the art ones, right? But yeah, but you know, like in the eighties, and and my dad, you know, we we had a conversation yesterday about all the cards that he has, right? And there's a great documentary right. on trading cards uh, on Netflix. Uh, but in the eighties, you know, everybody had trading cards, and that and the trading yeah. card companies went insane and produced all these ones. So there's for those of you who are into this, there are no real uh, gems. There are very few, but not a whole, not like there are now, of trading cards that are worth anything. Right. So, okay. and for those of you thinking that, oh, I collect all this stuff. Hey, just remember, it's only, it's only important to those people that will pay that money. That's that's the number. That's oh, yeah, the number sure. one thing, right? So. With that being said, there's a boom in trading cards because everyone's at home. They're not doing anything. And they're, they're shopping right. online. And so some of the companies are like, we're going to release this card and you only have 20, 48 hours to buy it and then it's gone forever. Right? And so there's a okay. specific card other than the top 20 card. I just... I was on the site and I actually got in. Everyone's complaining about the site going down and it's a um, first edition of this year's cards of the rookies. Right. 
And I, I didn't think any, right. I was like, oh, everyone wants this. And I was on day two. So I was like, I'll just get four card, four packs. So 40 cards. I got my cards in on right. Saturday. And not everybody got their cards in on Saturday. Like people were complaining, like, how do you already have your cards? And, and there's there are quite a few of us that got cards in. And I'm like, well, because I've been buying a lot yeah. of cards from shops, I think. I don't know. Um, but then I opened them, right? I, I debated, should I open these or not? So I was like, you know what? I, I opened them. And let me tell you, I got one card that already on eBay is selling for $300. Wow. On a- that's the average. That is the average. Not that's not the you know like oh yeah it's for sale buy it now for three hundred no the average is three hundred dollars, and it's like holy and not everybody has their card they're getting their cards today everyone should be getting their cards today, but e- even with the yeah. previous cards I don't know what it is but like the market has spiked so high that I can't it it's like. Should I sell them? Should I sell them now? It's it's like a, you know, it is it's it's amazing of what's going on in the card business, and I've been monitoring it. Like there's a card that I mean, one card I got for nineteen dollars, nineteen bucks, from direct, that's selling on average four hundred dollars, and I'm at at some point I I have to justify to my wife why have why I haven't sold it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. That yeah. that top set, I guarantee you, right now, the first six cards, because not everyone got in on the ground floor like I did. The first six cards, because of their base value of what they're selling on average, and and that that they misspelled right. original on the back. Oh, that well, stuff like that does affect the price crazy. It's if wild, I it's if wild. I put it as a buy it now for a thousand dollars, someone would buy it. No, so I have no doubt. On six cards where I spent one hundred twenty bucks, I could I I have no doubt that I I would sell it for for uh, you know, that much for a thousand. Yeah, no, that's that would right now. I Four mean, years from now, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I think that that's. I think that that's. I mean, I'm not into the sort of collecting stuff like that. But I mean, I know a lot of people who have been. It's sort of like with comic books. You know, I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that have just absolutely, literally thousands of them, and. It's you never know, man. You never know which one out of those thousands of comic books, for whatever reason, is going to be deemed to be the most valuable thing in the entire sort of, you know, genre of comic books. I mean, it could be something like you say, something like a misspelled word, something like that or, or whatever. I mean, it doesn't always necessarily have to do with, say, you know, was the an original printing or, you know, uh, something like that. It could be something completely different. Something that's totally con- just inconsequential, but because there's this imperfection to it, that all of a sudden the price of it goes through the roof because it really, like you say, it becomes sort of a one-of-a-kind Well, as a, jo- as a joke, so, 
I I had my son, my middle son, AJ, who's an aspiring comic artist, illustrator. I was like, hey, uh, here's a picture of this baseball card. I want you to draw it. And I let him use my iPad Pro. And, you know, because I do illustration and logo design and all that stuff. And he and, and I posted it on the forum like, hey, this is my son's one of one yeah. gold frame trout. Like, I would buy that. And, and, and it's, and it's really? a comic book character, character, right? I have, I have just an inkling because I have foam core board. I have foam board right here. Is go get it, get it like okay. a gloss printout, the size that I need, uh, like at Office Max. And I'm gonna, I, I might put it yeah. up on eBay and see, see who who's gonna who's gonna buy it. Dude, I, why I'm not? Just, because because there are people like I love this. Like, the, yeah, I would totally buy this, right? Okay, we'll see. And and I'm not gonna set a buy it now price just for auction. Just you know, yes. even if my see my son goes. was, I'm like, look, man, it's it's already. What's it up to now? I'll, I'll give him a status update because it is one of the most. It is like on the forum, a lot of people talk about it. So so it's got sure. 53 likes. And I was like, AJ, it's got 53 likes. And he, he was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, he's so surprised. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a humble kid. But he's like, can you believe it? So then we FaceTime my, my parents on Sunday, which we do all the time. And that's the first thing right. he told them. My card that I drew, my picture I drew, 53 people liked it. <laughs> that's really cool. That's cool, man. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. And like you say, man, you put it out there, you never know. I mean, the chances of it, you know, you know, the chances on him, of him earning oh, yeah. thousands of dollars no. or something are pretty re- remote, but you never know. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to be like, hey, man, this is like, you know, you've got a talent. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is I think that one of the hardest things for a lot of kids is realizing how their talents how their talents um translate into wealth into into you know money that's that's something i think a lot of kids especially kids who are artistically minded i think a lot of them have a really hard time with that because what they're dealing in is something that is of their mind and it's just their them expressing themselves which of course i think that i think that I mean, I think you would probably agree to the same extent that, you know, as an artist, it's kind of hard to quantify that. Well, uh, when, when, and this is for any, any uh, art, whether it's drawing, painting, music, writing, whatever, acting, dancing, you name it, right? Uh, it's, it's that whole thing is like people don't, they can't do what you do. And, right, exactly. and sometimes, and people just, they don't understand the amount of time of dedication that it takes to be good at something. <laughs> like, right. To do, well, to, well, to develop yeah. that skill, you know, I mean, it's like the analogy that I've used for years and years that one of the analogies that I've used with people is 
um, particularly when it comes to the performing arts. But I'm, I'm sure that this probably this probably again translates to visual arts and and such. Um, is you know purely the fact that it's it's like the muscle that goes unexercised. My back withers. <laughs> Every back muscle that, that you have. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> as yeah. you get older. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, but you know, it's the truth. I mean, as a, as a, especially as a musician, uh, it's one of those things where if you don't exercise this, if you don't exercise that musical muscle in your mind, and, and I know that for me as a drummer, uh, I play a music that's very physical. I mean, it, it legitimately requires a lot of physical, uh, you know, movement and agility and, and all that stuff, coordination. And, and those are things that don't just happen. I mean, there are some people that we all know who they are, who, you know, are some sort of savant and they just sort of never have to practice and they're amazing. You know, unfortunately, the vast majority of the rest of us actually have to practice to, you know, develop this skill and get better at it. Um, but it is exactly as you describe. I mean, it is something that you have to you use it or you lose it. And the analogy that I've used for years and years with people, because there was a time when I was working with the Marine Corps music program and I was having to go out around the Northeast region of the U.S. and try to find people that were qualified to enter our program. And very often you would come across people who, uh, you know, said that they played something. They played a musical instrument. And one of the first questions that would come out of my mouth is, well, when's the last time you played? And, you know, you'd get these, you'd get, especially if they were younger, you know, they're teenagers, whatever. Some of them, they had played in junior high or whatever, but like they didn't really get serious about playing music in high school. And they would tell you, well, I mean, it's been like maybe three or four years. And I'm like, no, sorry, dude. I mean, like... The amount of time, I don't know how good you were back when you were in like eighth grade, but I'm telling you right now that the amount of work that you would have to do to be able to get to where I need you to be, to be qualified for this program is way more work than I know you are willing to, to, you know, put forth. And it's going to take way more time than we have to make this happen because it literally, the analogy I would use is that it's like lifting weights. You, I mean, you could be that kind of person. It could be like somebody who goes running. You know, you can go out there and, you know, be running every day or be lifting weights every day and you can see yourself getting stronger and faster and you're developing that skill. And if you just stop doing it, you know, say you're that person who goes to the gym and you're benching 200, you know, if you just stop lifting weights for three or four years, you're not going to go back in the gym and just start lifting 200 pounds. It's not going to happen. You know, like that was something you had to work your way up to through, you know, months or years of work to attain that achievement. And, you know, once you stop doing it and you know this as well as I do, Jeremy, I mean, it's once you stop doing it, that skill will degrade incredibly fast. Um, and it's a bitch to get it back. It really is. Again, it's it's. For anybody who's ever gone out, you know, has, you know, anybody out there is, you know, uh, goes to the gym or runs or whatever, we all know that's how it works, man. Like you spend all this time going in there and doing your thing and getting stronger. And then all of a sudden you go on vacation or something and you take, you know, you take a week off 
and you go back to the gym, it's like you feel like you you feel like you you haven't been there in a month. You know, the amount of 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 work that you put forth that's lost now, and it takes so much more to get back. Um, so, like you said, I mean, it's it really is. It's it's all of that time and that effort that you're dedicating towards the development of this thing that some people, quite honest with you, sort of you know, like you alluded to. I mean, for some folks, for most folks, I will say out there regardless of how much time or effort they put into that, they would never be able to do it because it genuinely requires some level of talent. It requires some sort of propensity or, 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 you know, whatever towards this thing. I mean, there are people out there that are math geniuses and, you know, they can be like goodwill hunting. (laughs) They can like stare at us, you know, chalkboard of numbers and figures and stuff and just like, imagine the answer i mean, I can't do that man like i get I, I all of a sudden i'm faced with mathematic equations and i'm like what is this greek <laughs> i don't know well what have, you, uh, have you uh you know? have you listened to rick beato yeah yeah oh, so yeah. no absolutely he's got a he's got a yeah, great check, program it's, on uh, it's youtube b-e-a-t-o rick beato it's like beat o but it's pronounced beato and you know, the thing with him is that um, we've been doing his program that he did for his son and daughter. Yeah. Like, totally, we've been doing that. Put the headphones on. I mean, mostly every night. Um, put the headphones on, and he came up with the playlist, and you you put it on, put it on your, your spouse's stomach for an hour, starting at uh, okay. Week or what week is it? Yeah, the, like the last four months of pregnancy. But it's one of okay. those things, and even after the kid is born, you still have to do the the program, an hour a day of listening to this sure, music, okay. and it's 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 called what music high, is this? Uh, hold on, wait, wait. wait high intense music or something like that like it's very chromatic music um but it's how his kids okay and it's not about for his kids it's really not about music even though you can look up his kid dylan um and he's got perfect pitch but he also his memory is super super strong um and he speaks like eight languages because when you do this at during these uh time frames uh it it increases the kids understanding to learn does that, does that make sense neural right high information music yeah, is sure. what he does it's totally right. rich okay. high complex harmonies but what it does is that it enhances the learning and then it, it engages more areas of the brain. And like I said, he just kind of did this on his own and then did it a second. His his first kid was the kid who was the test baby, right? And it worked. But right. he did it again with his daughter and it worked again. So that's okay. why he's like, okay, well, I'm going to develop this app. And this program to do it. So we've been doing it for our last kid. 
and see if it if it works. But no, that's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I we I I never with my kids, I I never really did. Uh, very young. I mean, obviously, they were exposed to music like all the time. You know, I I think that that was one when uh, when we were having the inter- our interview with Jeremy too. That was one of the questions that I really found interesting. Sort of ta- asking him was how his children have uh, have come to this point. It, you, growing up in a musical household, it was kind of interesting. Him sort of describing how. He lives in a very sort of pop-oriented home. Um, and I, I know for my kids, I mean, they've definitely got into their own stuff. I mean, there's all this stuff that they listen to that I don't really know what it is. I mean, we've talked about some of it recently on the show, um, you know, sort of 21 Pilots and, and all that sort of thing, um, which is really cool stuff. It's just I never really got into that. But it's really cool for me that the kids also have music that we raise them on and they continue to listen to that music today. Um, and in a weird way, it's I'm not, you know, my, my oldest daughter has this ability to be able to decipher lyrics. Um, she's like a lyric magnet, man. And she, it's, it, I, I'll be very honest with you. I mean, I know she for she went for when we lived in San Diego she went to the San Diego school for the performing arts for a year um and she's got an absolute voice uh she really harbors a lot of performance anxiety you know she doesn't like to get up in in front of an audience and perform uh and she really sort of gets annoyed if you're like come on come on sing for us you know it drives her nuts uh but she just has this ability man to hear songs and just absorb lyrical content yeah um i don't i've never really been that way i've always been more sort of uh my brain always sort of clues more into like uh you know counter rhythms and counter melodies more so than it does with uh you know the lyrical content which when you're talking about beato and his show on youtube you know his thing that he does that's one of the things that I think is the coolest about his show. And I, I highly recommend it as well. Pure as I mean, if folks yeah. are interested in sort of getting a deeper insight into the music they're listening to, because he'll, he does this, he does this series called like, what makes that song? Yeah. You know, what makes this song great? Yeah. He'll take, he'll take a song like, uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of one that he did. Actually, I was watching, I was watching one of them recently and it was actually, uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica. Um, and he broke it down. Uh, and there were some things that he talked about that I don't have as good of an ear as he does. I mean, he's picking up on things that Cliff Burton, the bass player, is playing uh, that's not necessarily doubling the guitars. And because he's not doubling the guitars, it gives this, it gives these licks the sound that they have. And that's what made Cliff Burton such a great bass player because he didn't just mimic a guitar player. He had his own approach to what this was that they were playing that gave it the sound that it had and made it so great. Um, I remember watching one of them. It was uh, you, you and I have watched a, a number of them together. But Dude, there was those, one, I think I, it, was, those... it was the police. 
they were do he was doing one, I think it was synchronicity or something by yep. the police. And he's breaking down like what is happening with these chords, you know, and sort of the groove behind all this stuff and and the fact that the police I mean at the and the police were at heart a reggae band. You know, that's where they that's where the roots were. They were a reggae rock band. Uh, but it was just really, really cool, his approach, because he, he points stuff out that even as a musician, when he breaks it all down and separates all these things out, you're like, whoa, dude, I had like no idea that was even there. <laughs> like, right. And, and, and the, the access that was, you know, because he's also a producer, but the access yeah. that he gets by getting the original tracks, the stems from all the original tracks and being able to break yeah, that stuff can, down. He can solo stuff out. So yeah, I mean, when, I that's my go-to if I'm on a long road trip. That's my go-to. I'm I'm putting it on and I'm just listening yeah. to that the whole because you don't have to watch it. You just listen. I'm like, oh crap! Sure. Like it's it. I mean, and you know, even songs that you would think like, well, what's that about? You know, like uh, the White Stripes. Uh, um, what dun 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 dun. Uh, me and my daughter were just listening to it the other day. Why can't I think of the one, the most famous White Stripes song? Oh man! Uh, uh people are yelling at their radios yes. right now. They're yelling like, at you. They're yelling at me because <laughs> I don't want. To, I'm one of those people. Like I'm not going to look it up. I have a brain. I have a memory. Uh, yeah. It'll come to me, and I'm going to blurt it out. Yeah, yeah. But. You think, oh, such a simple song, but then he can dissect it to where it's like, holy crap! And he and he yeah. he reveals all of the um, the studio secrets, or like, yeah, this is how they recorded it, or right, you know. Uh, it's... Well, that was one of the things that I thought was really cool about that session that I had brought up a couple weeks ago. That the videos for um, produce like a producer. You know, I don't know if you remember when we were talking about that, but. Uh, produce like a producer where they're sitting down. This guy is actually sitting down with the producers of these legendary tunes. The one that I was watching on uh, YouTube was uh, that one we were talking about a couple weeks ago with Black Hole Sun. I mean, to me, that stuff is because I've always like it's amazing to me, like the what happens in you know the songwriting and all that stuff. But I also really get off on the what happens from a an engineering standpoint in a studio, you know, how, cause I'll tell you, man, there, there was, this is one of the things that, one of the things that I, I, I remember when I was going to school, you know, I was going to Berkeley and I was taking these production courses. And I remember, you know, one of the first things they said to us is, is that, you know, recording music in a recording studio, the technology has elevated it so much that, it stands on its own as a piece of artwork. You know, when you take live recordings of artists, that's a document. Yeah. I mean, that's pure, that's purely, okay, mic set up, go play live. But in a recording studio, that's not what's happening. You know, you're able to utilize all of this technology to capture performances and augment them, change them, you know, it developed them all in concert with each other to create this piece of art. And that's when you're listening to the radio or whatever, you know, you're listening to Spotify or whatever the thing is that you're listening to music on. That's what you're hearing. 
you're hearing pieces of artwork that are created in the studio. And what you're hearing is not necessarily what that artist is doing on a, a, a live soundstage. Yeah. You know, that's just, it's, it's completely different thing. Um, and being able to develop your ears and we, ha- we, you and I both have friends who have, who have, uh, invested a significant you know portion of their lives to developing those skills i mean to be able to sit down in a studio and hear something and hear some sort of uh defect if you will in what they're hearing and know exactly where in the spectrum of sound that defect is and isolate it and remove it you know oh there i hear this thing that's it like that's it like 1k like a thousand hertz you know what i mean and zero in and whoop it's gone i mean just all that sort of stuff to me is pretty amazing uh and the technology that's at 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 our disposal is just i mean it's one of those things especially now when you're realizing that like you can really do and, and you don't even have to be working in a studio or anything i mean i'm working with some buddies of mine back home right now and we're sharing material and I mean, you realize you could do anything, man. I don't even have to be in a recording Billie, studio. Billie Eilish, if y'all don't know who she is, yes. you know, she won, what, yep. nine grand? Yeah, she freaking, she scored, dude. And 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 <laughs> her and her brother recorded that album in, in their bedroom. <laughs> like, yes. You know yep. what I mean? Uh, it's like, okay. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. I mean, that's what you were talking about a, a couple weeks ago, I think just to touch on it, but it really was, uh, it's one of those things where for artists now you have so much more control than you used to have. And you should, because you should. And that's my point is that, you know, now because of this technology, because of things like the internet, you know, you can create, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I don't know if you remember, uh, God, the song by, uh, Seven Nation Army. Billy, no, no, seven, no, 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 no. Uh, Seven Nation Army, the White Stripes song. Oh my God! No, that's it. There you go. You got it. <laughs> okay, you got it. Uh, but no, you think Billy? You think Billy Joel? You know, uh, still rock and roll yeah. to me. You know, uh, what is the the line from that song about? You know, there's there's a new band in town, but you can't get the sound because they're only in a magazine aimed at your average teen. Yep. You know, I mean, you literally could do that today. I mean, if you wanted to, you could, as an artist, create an entire, you know, catalog of music and take that music and portray that as, as a, a, a collaborative effort amongst some sort of band and market it that way. And nobody would know. No one would have any idea that it was just some dude, like you just said, some guy in his basement or some guy in his bedroom or in his office or whatever, making this music. And the people that you see on the Internet, those images are totally fictitious. They're just made up. You know, look at what and I will tell you, this is this is the genius again, because I'm a big Kiss fan, too. And that speaks to the genius of that band. And we're talking about a group that was that started you know, their whole journey into American rock and roll immortality in like 1973. You're talking about a band that was able to create a mystique around themselves where nobody knew who they were. 
I mean, outside from their very close friends and family and whatever, but most, most kids around America that were these huge, we want kiss, we want, you know, freaking, you want the best, you got the best, the hottest man in the world. I mean, you know, you had no idea who they were, man. They were just these images. They were these likenesses. They had this, you know, this makeup and this whole thing going on. I mean, and which was genius in a way because it afforded these guys a degree of anonymity in their real life. Yeah. You know, they could go on stage and wear the makeup and do the shtick and they could get the girls and they could do the party. And you know what? They could take the makeup off and nobody knows who they and are. It, they can just. Have you been getting into the uh, the ESPN last dance about the Chicago Bulls? I have not. I actually have not. Uh, I've heard it's really, really Man, good, but I have not seen it. Uh, hashtag, you, you should have watched it already. But this last episode, man, was about exactly what you're talking about with Michael Jordan. Which, which, yeah. was, which was, he was, in a, he was at a game and they got, you know, they get there early and and the documentary, they got like the documentary crew was there, and and they got there early yeah. and like, hey, we want to come in your room. And they're like, all right, and he was like, see, he's like, this is my time. Like it's sad, but people think they want this life. They want to know what this life is like. For and this is nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, Jordan. So he's already yep. you know still playing, still you know kicking ass. And he's like, yeah, yep, I have, I have my cigar, I have he was drinking water at the time and he had a couch in a hotel room like any other hotel room that me and you would could 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 use for the night and he was like yeah this is this is what i have yeah because and, and because as soon as he steps was... outside that door he's michael jordan yes that was you know i and i said that years ago yeah i'll tell you when I remember when, and everybody's got their opinions, and you know what everybody says about opinions, right? Um, but I remember back when Michael uh, Jackson first was getting into trouble with this whole, you know, pedophilia thing or whatever the hell it was. You know, and I, and I remember saying to people at that time, I was like, can you imagine being this guy? I mean, as much as people are like, oh, man, it must be awesome. Like, you could have anything you want. You could, like, do whatever you want to do. But you can't. Because you can't do anything. Nope. Like you just said, you can't walk out your front door without every single person in the world being like, oh, my God, look, it's Michael Jackson you know, or whoever you are. I mean, it turns you and, and, and to have people, not just that, but I think with Michael Jackson's case, I, you know, I, I, I think about it in terms of like, imagine living in a world where no one says no to you. Like you, you say what you want and everybody around you does nothing but ingratiate you and satiate you and make sure that you're comfortable and that you have the things that you want. I mean, even to your own detriment, they're just like, oh, absolutely. No, absolutely, Mr. Jackson. Of course. No, absolutely. You're the king of pop, dude. 
You are the biggest pop star in the world. I mean, what life do you have? I mean, it almost to me, back when all this stuff initially happened, and I know stuff happened later, and again, people think what they think. To me, I was like, you know what, man? There's no way that you live that life, especially from the age that it started for a dude like that as a kid. There's no way you go through life living like that, that your brain doesn't get twisted, man. Your perception of reality and what reality really is doesn't in some way get twisted or at least twisted as the normal average person perceives it. I mean, I almost looked at Michael Jackson like he was like the Willy Wonka of music, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was a dude who was like, I'm going to create my own world. And he did. And I don't, <laughs> he did. I was, that's His what I'm compound. Like, I don't like, he was like, I don't like grownups because grownups are always, you know, grown up, you know, adults are all looking for something. They all want something from me. And I enjoy being around kids because they just enjoy having fun. And so I'm going to create this world where I can be like a kid and I can just have fun. And if I want ice cream, I'll have ice cream. And if I want to go on, you know, the pony ride, I'll go on the pony ride. And nobody's going to say anything because if they do, they just won't be around me anymore. I mean, literally creating your own version of this reality where you as an adult are, I mean, it's almost like having, imagine having the ability to be whatever you want. You are so wealthy and you have so much influence. You're like, you know what? I'm going to be this today. You know, like, you know who else used to do that? And this is totally side note. You know who else used to do that years and years ago? It was Keith Moon. Like that was the dude who had so much money and all this crazy stuff in his life that he would get up every morning and be like, I want to be Julius Caesar today. And he'd literally like dress up as Julius Caesar and spend the day being Julius Caesar, you know, like, and everybody just be like, okay, well, Keith's just being Caesar today. You know, nobody, nobody says boo, man. I mean, like I say, I can't imagine having that kind of life and how that would affect your mind just as you relate to the rest of the world. But um, anyhow, so yeah. No, great stuff, man. So it's we, it's new music yep. Monday. I know we didn't. I know we didn't send the text message of Destiny out. Uh, maybe we'll do that on on Thursday. But uh, so, what do you got for us? All right. So it's it's new old music. Okay. And I don't know why I did this yesterday, but but. Rod Stewart, every picture tells a story in 1971. And everybody. So, so mine... saying... go ahead. Mine is every picture tells a story, Rod Stewart, 1971. Wow. I don't know. Hi, yeah. So mine's a, a new oldie, but it's not really new, but it's just something, you know, like revisiting. Because everyone knows Maggie May, but dude, he's got some awesome covers on there. I Dude, it's completely chill music, especially with the weather we've been having. I, it's just, 
You know, Rod Stewart was more – I grew up with Rod Stewart knowing him as Rod Stewart in the 80s and oh. a little a little bit of the 90s. But, Infatu- dude. Infatuation. Oh, yeah. Infatuation. Or, or later on when he basically has almost essentially lost his voice and, you know, he's singing about – you know how much I love you and whatever. I'm like, well, and he did the jazz album. He did a jazz album. Yeah, he did. He he did that whole thing too. No, you. I totally agree with you that you know Rod Stewart was an act man who, because it's crazy. I think my brother went to go see Rod Stewart back in the '80s when he was doing like, because that was the, I think the name of the album was Camouflage, um, that he did back in the '80s that had infatuation and all that stuff on it, um. But I think for a lot of folks, they don't think of Rod Stewart as being that artist that actually had some rocking material back. In oh the, yeah, know, back in, in this early seventies. Yeah, yeah, holy crap, dude! I was yeah. like, what, dude? Yeah. What we that's you mentioned it. We got to have your brother on the show if he can make it on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything to him, but we'll see. We'll Just shoot out the message of destiny. Text message, but you got to see. If it, but if he'll answer, though, no, it, I know. I'll, even if I'll, that means we push the push the time up or back. Yeah. No, I mean absolutely. We'll figure. We'll figure. We'll get him on. We'll get him on. So my my new music Monday is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, with with everything that's going on in the world, uh. Somebody, a buddy of mine, I think it was my buddy Mike, turned me on to this video of this band called uh, Verminicide Violence. And they, what? Do a, they do a song called Corona Viscerated. Wow. <laughs> this, this song and then the video, I've got to put the video on the site, man, because it is, it is honestly, when you watch this, this is a real band. But when you watch this, I swear to God, you think you're watching a skit from like Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's, it's like basic, and, and thankfully, thankfully they subtitle all the lyrics on <laughs> the video. You can't even understand what they're you saying. can't understand a word <laughs> that they're saying. He's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like he's going on and on. Is that the, considered the, what you just saying? Is that that screamo? Is that screamo? See, I don't know if. Uh, you know, for me, I don't know if I would consider that screamo. Maybe it would be. I don't know, man. What is like, that guttural? Like, blah, blah, blah. What what type of music is that? Well, I mean, I I would say that's like death metal. You know what I mean? Is it? I would I, I would think like when I hear that, I think death metal. We need I'm to find that out. Maybe I'll find. I'll look that up. But you never know. I mean, we were talking about that with Jeremy, too, the other day. I mean, it's like, you know, the guy who's the growler or screamer and the guy who's the singer and the whatever. But the funny thing about this video is that throughout the video, they're sharing, like they're subtitling it. And what you realize is that all the lyrics for this song are basically about, like, all of the all of the personal hygiene safety measures that you should be taking because of coronavirus. <laughs> it's like, it's wash a, your like wash your hands. It's a PSA. Twenty seconds. Yeah, it's a PSA, dude. It's ridiculous. It is. It is comedy, and I don't know. Maybe these dudes have just become YouTube legends now because you know. I mean, 
I don't even see what it says. How many viewers have viewed this thing? You know, hold on a second. Of course, they got to put these silly ads on. On. Uh... Oh, dude, this has over one point two million views. <laughs> Genius, you know. What these I'm saying? these guys are passing information. Seriously, like they can be complete idiots, but you know something? They just put something together that's got them 1.2 million views on YouTube. So kudos to you, uh, verminicide violence. So we'll share your video on our site. So anyhow, but uh going to wrap things up, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in, checking out the show. Uh, you have, you still have a, you still have a couple of days to put in your yes. guess of Episode 10, how many times did Jimbo say you know? Yes. We'll push it out. Uh, I might boost the uh, boost this episode I'll, or boost episode 10 again. Uh, try to get some, some, some more folks out there to give it a listen. Give us your number. Let us know what you think your best guess is. And uh, we'll find out who the winner is on Thursday. So. Remember, and also, YouTube Thursday. What was your yeah. last YouTube uh, video? Absolutely. That'll be the point of the point of conversation, so I'm sure I'll find something juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, man. We'll, all right, folks. We'll see you on Thursday. All right, take it easy.